after yesterday. Uh, hope for today. Man, I am thankful for hope because hope is in Christ. And my hope is not in my circumstance. My hope is not in uh, anything other than Christ. He is my sustainer. He is my strength. He is my comfort. He is my peace. So knowing this, I want us today to look at hope for today. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 121 and let's stand together. Many of you will have this probably memorized and you don't realize that you do, but Psalm 121, let's stand together as we read from God's Word. Huh? Do what? That's what I meant. Yeah. Not really. Y'all figure it out. I could have messed that up. I have been known to mess things up from time to time. All right. We're going to go with, I will raise my eyes to the mountains from where will my help come. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now you are getting there, aren't you? Because you realize that I messed up. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Behold, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your protector. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not beat down on you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord protects you from all evil. He will keep you. Or he will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time and forever. Father, we thank you that you are the one who guides us, protects us. And Father, today we recognize that you are our hope for today. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So to use a Christmas word, Emmanuel, that's a lot of times the only time you ever hear that word is around Christmas for some strange reason. But Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh, we recognize even Christ here in the Old Testament. Uh, he says, I will raise my eyes. The, the psalmist says, I will raise my eyes to the mountains from where will my help come? A lot of us right now, with whatever situation that you're in, maybe it's with your own life, with your job, maybe it's with your children. Uh, maybe it's with your parents. Uh, I know that as our parents get older, uh, there is a need for us to kind of reverse the role. Um, and, and it's usually our parents who are stubborn and don't want that role to reverse. Um, that's not true. It's usually us don't want to recognize the fact that our parents are getting older. But it's kind of maybe a combination of both. But there comes a point where you've got to recognize this. And, and, and we, we begin to wonder where does our help come from? How are things going to go? But our help comes from the Lord. There comes that point in our life where we all need help. You're in that situation where you're raising a child or you're helping your parents or your job isn't going well. And you're like, God, what in the world am I going to do? Well, stop right there and quit asking that question. If we're believers, that should not even be a question that we should have to ask. We should already have the answer. As believers, our help comes from the Lord. And instead of saying, God, what am I going to do? Instead, Lord, what are you going to do? 
The psalmist constantly was crying out to God to be rescued. And when you're in a predicament, folks, the best thing that you and I can do is cry out to God because we need to be rescued. And so the psalmist is saying, I will raise my eyes to the mountains. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth ex nihilo. He made everything out of nothing. He spoke into existence the things that we see. The world today tells us that this earth is billions of years old and the last ice age was how long ago, Dylan? We're Dylan, where you at? How long ago was the last ice age, they say, Dylan? 20,000 years. Well, he listened in class. So in their mind, the earth said, the, the, the scientists of today say, well, you know, the, the last ice age was 20,000 years ago and, 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 but yet we believe we on a shadow of a doubt about scripture. And we believe that as the earth cooled during the flood of Noah and, and as all those clouds hit and everything happened. And then after that, the, the, the sea and the ocean began to warm up again. And what we saw was this great phenomenon that, that happened and ice covered the earth. I have no problem with that. There's no issue for me that there was something that happened after the flood. I have no problem with that. So if God created this earth and God knew all about the things that happened after the flood, After all that took place on this evil world, I have no problem trusting God who made heaven and earth, who took man from the dust of the ground, formed life, just formed his body, and then breathed life into him. Who else am I going to trust? My help, my hope comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow allow your foot to slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Now let me tell you how this has been hijacked. How this scripture, how these teachings in the Bible have been hijacked by preachers today. Preachers today say, see, God wants you to be successful. God wants you to have money. God wants you to have all of these things. That is not at all what the scripture says. What the scripture says is that he will not allow your foot to slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. God is saying that no matter how difficult the path is, no matter how hard life gets, God himself will put your feet exactly where he wants them to go if you will depend upon him and trust him and follow the word of God and step in the right direction, step in the right steps, step in the steps of Christ himself. And it says this, and I love this part, we'll neither slumber nor sleep. I've talked to a lot of men who have been in the Army, Marines, uh, Armed Forces period, and they say they never smoked until they started having to do night watch. They said we didn't smoke until we started doing night watch. And, And the reason that we started smoking was because that was the only way to stay awake. You get extremely tired, you get really, really sleepy, and, and then that cigarette suddenly just gives you a pick-me-up, and, and the, the, then they began to smoke then, and then it carried on, and it, it's a, as we know, just like food, it's a hard habit to break, right? Right. And by the way, I know that I have to eat, but I don't have to eat two donuts and a kolache before church, right? I mean, even though I, I, I did this morning. It's confession time for the preacher here. God doesn't need anything. He neither sleeps nor slumbers. God does not grow tired. He does not grow weary. 
God's not looking at your life going, oh, would you hurry up and make a decision? God is watchful over his children. Nowadays, you, a lot of you that, that have children, you have these little monitors where you can see the child. Um, Megan's so old that all they had was just the, you could just hear, right? You couldn't see her. So, uh, but I'm so old that my mom just let whatever happened to me happen. And she just woke up the next morning going, well, I guess he's okay. You know, no, I'm kidding. That's, that's not how that worked. We have this idea though. We got to watch over our children and we want to be able to have them where we can hear them and, and we want them to, to be watched over. But yet we go to sleep at night and, and we hope that we will hear something. God, our protector never sleeps in our slumbers. He, he doesn't sit there and, and allow things to happen. He knows all and protects from all because the Lord is our protector. The Lord is our shade on our right hand. The sun will not beat down on you by day nor the moon by night. Let me tell you what that means. No matter what the world comes against you with, no matter how hard they come against you, God will protect you. Doesn't mean you're not going to get hurt. Doesn't mean you're not going to get harmed. Doesn't mean you won't go to jail. Look at what happened to Paul. Paul's finest works that we read today were done while he was in jail. So some of us are thinking, well, if God's going to protect me, then everything's going to be okay. That's not what it says. What it says is that no matter what happens to you, God will get you through it. God will see you through it. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard you. You're going out and you're coming in from time, from this time and forever. You say, well, Brother Tom, how then do we relate that to today? How can we fast forward that into our world? Well, remember, Emmanuel, this is the name for Christ, God with us, God in the flesh. So we have the same God, hasn't, nothing's different here. This is God the Son that we call upon Whenever we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus, right? We, in Jesus' name we pray. That's what we're trusting in, all right? So let's look at a couple things. We're going to prepare ourselves for this victory. We're going to prepare ourselves to receive the hope that we need, all right? 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, and I got this one correct, by the way, okay? 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, therefore prepare your minds for action, all right? There's a part of us that has a job to do. All right. If I if I've got to get up and I've got a, a big thing to do the next day, I'm probably going to prepare my mind. I'm going to sit and study the kids this morning and youth. We ask them, what what can we help y'all with? What is something we need y'all to, to for us to pray for? Pray that we'll pass the test we've got to take next week. And here's the answer that I give them every single time they ask for us to pray that they'll pass the test. I, I give them the same answer every single time. I will pray that God will bring to your memory what you've studied. Right? I'm going to pray that God will bring to your memory everything that you studied. That's why it took me twice to get through seventh grade. Um, Because that's all that I had brought back to my memory, by the way. Okay? Um, Here's the thing. We've got to prepare our minds. We have to make them ready. First of all, in preparing our mind, we must recognize that there's going to be issues. Anybody ever had a day that there were no issues? Like we can't remember those. You watch a little bitty newborn baby. They have issues. They let you know. Right? 
If they're wet or dirty, you're going to know it. If they're hungry, you're going to know it. Every single life has issues. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. You say, well, I don't drink. That's not what people wake up. Sober. What are we putting in front of us? What are we watching on television? What are we putting in our ears? What kind of conversations are we having? Sober. Make sure that they're godly and right. So keep sober in spirit. Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, if I'm a believer... And whenever Christ returns and I am there, folks, if I'm still alive, I want you to know I will be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. However, if I'm dead, get out of the way because my casket is opening up, the ground's going to move, and I'm coming up. That's the hope that I have. That's the confidence that I have in Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust, which were yours in your ignorance. How do you know you were saved? How do you know that you truly belong to God? First of all, you recognize that your former life was nothing but filth. You say, well, I wasn't that bad of a person. Folks, if you weren't with Christ, you were a bad person. Quit trying to judge yourself next to your neighbor. We're all going to be judged next to Christ, who was perfect, by the way. Don't be conformed to the former lust which you were, that were yours, excuse me, in your ignorance. The way that I know I belong to Christ is I recognize that my former life was godless. And I cried out, cried out, God, there is no hope for me outside of your son, Jesus Christ. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves. Also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Here's the struggle that we all have. Here's the struggle that we all have. When other Christians fail, why should I try so hard? Because you're not doing things for other Christians. You're doing them because God himself is holy. Our motivation is to be more like the father through his son, Jesus Christ. Be holy because I am holy. Let me help you with a decent illustration. I'm looking in the back back here and I see Toddle. He's sitting in his chair. But right beside Toddle, I see a sponge. What does a sponge do? It soaks everything up. Now that sponge has a name. His name is Levi. And and one thing that I know about Levi is Levi takes everything in around him. Everything. Like, if you want a secret told, tell Levi. Because Levi is kin to his grandpa, who can't keep a secret either. Okay? No. Here's the thing. Levi's a sponge. He takes it all in. So what Levi's watching his grandpa, he's seeing his, if grandpa's living a holy life, what does that make Levi want to live? Makes Levi want to live a holy life. Because what he's doing is he's paying attention to grandpa who has said that he's paying attention to God. And so that is why we want to live a holy life for our children to also want to live a holy life. 
You see, men and, and, and women, if, if you make your life all about material things, guess what your children are going to make their life about? All about material things. But if you focus on walking with God, your children, as odd as it will be compared to the world, will want to follow in your footsteps. So we're to be holy because he is holy. One, because he is holy, and two, because we have sponges in our life that are paying attention to everything that we're doing. I'm telling you, I have watched my entire, the entire life of my daughter, I've watched without her even knowing there are things that she does that she has no clue where, she, where they came from, but they came from her parents. The way she reacts and responds, the way that she lives out her life, there are things that there's just no question those things came from her parents. Because without her knowing it, she was a sponge watching her parents. There are some things I wish I could wring out of her. You know why? Because they're just like me. Now, Sean, this is that point where you go, oh, no, I just love her so much. There's nothing at all that I'd like to just wring out of her from time to time. But You're the one who said I do. I'll... Oh, yeah, that's right. You did forget. <laughs> yeah, so technically, I don't know if you're really married. Hmm, let's talk about that. Here's the thing. I watched my child struggle with my struggles. I saw her succeed where I succeed. And my greatest regrets are passing my struggles on to my child. Honestly. Those are my greatest regrets. My child having my struggles. Second Peter chapter 3. This is why we need to prepare. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Anybody in here ever had anything taken from their home? You ever been robbed or broken into? Folks, there is a feeling there that absolutely will not leave you. You lay down at night and you hear every single noise that has been in that house the whole time. But because something has taken place in your home, it is magnified and you can't sleep and you worry and you, 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 things just take place. You move your, ch- your children closer to you and at night while you sleep and you just have this nervousness about you. That's how the Lord, it says the same thing. I'm not going to announce. I'm not going to tell you. That's why all these clowns, I mean, preachers uh, that claim uh, that they know the day that Christ is coming back, impossible. Because it's, it's going to be like a thief in the night. But as the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be discovered. Everything, everything is going to be put under a microscope. Every act, every action, every word. Every deed will be discovered. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought to be, ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for a hastening, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I don't know about you, but I'm longing for that day. 
Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found spotless and blameless by him at peace and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Let's go back to that. Let me, let me, I read that too fast. Let's go back. Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found spotless and blameless by him at peace. This makes me question... And I'm not trying to be funny. I, I'm actually telling you as a child, this makes me question a lot of the Baptist churches that I attended. I have never in my life been at more of a mess than a business meeting at a lot of the Baptist churches I've attended in the past. That is one of the reasons that I love this church. The way we have things set up, the way that we have done things, people are at peace. I have been in meetings that were so-called business meetings that turned in to just absolute raking somebody over the coals over something so dumb. The Bible says to be at peace. That means within the church to be at peace. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which there are some things that are hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort. And they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. Do you recognize what's happening? You've been what's wrong with most of our families today. I'm going to lean down just because I want it to be kind of personal for a second. You know what's wrong with most of our families today? Nobody ever reads the Bible. We're, we're parenting on the fly. There's, there's no roadmap that we've looked at. When was the last time you picked up the Bible and read it? On your own, besides the Sunday morning. When was the last time you just sat down and you began to look at the word of God and and hungered for the word of God and let it rule your life? What's wrong with our world today is the fact that the church no longer knows how to live because they don't even know what the book says and they're in the pews or seats or whatever we have. And it's to our own destruction, he says. You say, well, Brother Tom, how do I fix this? How then can I get to where I have hope for the day? Well, I'm glad that you asked that question. Because I'm going to read to you a scripture that I read at every single funeral that I preach. John 14, 1 through 6. Do not let your heart be troubled. We need hope for the day, right? Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You may tell you how our heart gets troubled. We trouble it. <laughs> anybody in here willing to admit that your biggest problem is not anybody other than the person in the mirror? Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. What is he saying? I and the Father are two. No, I and the Father are one. We're the same. We are. Do not let your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. Some of yours says mansions. I don't care what it is. I'm just thankful I'm going to be there. If it were not so, I would have told you. Because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. That, to me, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Christ, at this very moment, is doing what? He's preparing. He's getting ready. So I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. He says, and you know the way where I am going. Now, there are a lot of you in this room who are saying, you know, if I could just know how to be saved. I prayed the prayer, but I still don't feel, feel right. That's because praying a prayer doesn't save you. Correct? Well, I believe in God. So, the, so do the demons, and yet they shudder. They shake. Well, then, Brother Tom, how then can I make sure? Folks, there's only one way. Thomas looks at Christ and he says, how can we know the way if we don't know where you're headed? Folks, some of you are asking that same question. How can we get to heaven? I want you to look at this next part. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Well, I believe that there's a Jesus. Folks, the Pharisees knew that there was a Jesus, but they didn't trust in his works. What this is, as a believer, and this is where I'm closing, I want you to stay right there on that, on that scripture so everybody can see it. I am the way. I'm going tell you what that means. It means that he's the only way. Right or wrong? Now, the world says, especially if you're an Oprah person, if you love Oprah, Jesus said to him, there are many ways. That's not what Jesus said. But Oprah says, oh, that's, that's not what he would say today. Yeah, because, you know, Oprah knows Jesus. Um, Jesus said, I am the way. The world says, no, there's many ways. No, if you, if you today want to be saved, you've got to agree with Jesus that he is the only way. There is no other way. So Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth. All right, if you have your Bible, I want you to hold your Bible up. All right, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. Every word that's in this book is truth. You can trust it because every word is God-breathed. So I am the way and the truth and the life. My life was all about me wanting to do something when I was in high school, something that God didn't have in his plan. 
And I, and I knew that God wanted me in ministry. And my mindset was, I want to go to college to play football. I want to do it. And so I told God, you've heard, a lot of you've heard this testimony. I told God, I will do it as soon as football is over. Once my football career is done, I will come and I will preach for you. And that was on a Monday. On Friday night, I got hit so hard right here that it jacked with my heart. What did God just say? Welcome to ministry. Right? God said, welcome to ministry. He said, you told me on Monday that if you will quit playing, whenever you're done playing football, you will go into ministry. God says, welcome to ministry. And it was my aunt who you've been praying for for quite some time who walked into my room no clue the conversation that God and I were having. When I say conversation, I wasn't hearing voices. Y'all don't think I'm weird. But when a man's being called, he knows he's being called. And my aunt looks at me and she says, how long are you going to run from God? Hmm. Jesus is the life. What I was looking for, God said, you're going to be looking in the wrong direction. Just come on over here and let's find life. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. For those of you that have prayed a prayer to be saved, you put your faith in a prayer. No, it's not a prayer. It is you understanding that Jesus paid it. All and all to him I owe. Father, my prayer this morning is that we will understand how desperate we are for you and how our only hope of peace, our only hope of life, is found in Christ. I pray today that we will come to that place of saying, Lord, I surrender all. I give all to you because we are desperate for you, Father. Lord, there are some in this room who life is hard right now. And we have a million reasons why it's hard, but the truth is we need to start looking in the mirror and say, God, the reason my life is hard is because I'm not right with you. And I pray that this morning, that person, whoever it is, if this is their first time in this room or their 1,000th time in this room, God, whoever it is today that needs to come and get things right with you will step out of that aisle and they'll walk down the middle and they'll say, I need Jesus. Father, today, let it start right here, brand new. In Christ's name we pray.